get rid of us. Never can. Never can. Never will. Can't do it. Can't stop. Won't stop. <laughs> can't stop. Won't stop. That's for sure. <laughs> um. Yeah, today is a Ray-focused episode, as you saw by the title, mm-hmm. and or the episode description, whatever one you read, <laughs> you whatever one you read, you saw that it was a full episode, and if, you, if you've been here for a minute, you know the schedule, okay? <laughs> if you don't know, now you know. I don't need to explain this to you. We've gone over this 12 times, um, or like 60 Maybe at this point. Maybe it's the first episode. Oh, they're getting 60. berated the first episode. They're like, I just tuned in. And I'm it only sure. goes downhill for me. I don't even know your guys' names. <laughs> like, I just found it on Google. What the fuck, man? Sorry, I, deepest apologies. Um, so yes, this is a Ray-focused episode. And Miss Ray, what are we going to be talking about? So I am doing the case of Brandon Tina. I have no idea who that is. Okay. Also, that light just turned off in a very dramatic I know. way. Dun, dun. Dun, dun. <laughs> There's ghosts. Um, so it's just an automated light, right? <laughs> I'll tell you when there are ghosts, okay? All right, all right. Yeah. So... Uh, a way that you might recognize this case if I tell you, it's the case that the movie Boys Don't Cry was based off of. <gasps> with uh, Hilary Swank. Mm-hmm. And we'll talk about that more mm-hmm. as I get into it. But that's, I actually, I knew that that film was based on a case, but I didn't know a lot about the specific case that it was based off of. And yeah. I do like that movie. It's very sad, but I do like that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't seen it in a very long time. Yeah. Um, sort of one of those movies that you don't need to rewatch a ton right. of times. Like you gotta be like in a good headspace to watch it. Yeah, the first. Yeah, it's pretty deep. It just got too dark. Very dark. <laughs> it's very dark and ominous in here. I'm scared. <laughs> now this is the first time that I've covered a full case. I think maybe on the whole podcast that we've done a full episode about a trans person. Uh, so of course I wanted to make sure I was being super respectful and did a lot of research in the best way to present the case. Um, and I found this article online that I thought I'd share and we'll link it in the, um, in the notes. Um, and I thought I'd share what it says in there cause I'm sure there are people who listen to this podcast who can learn and grow from this information. And I think it's just really important to know how to respectfully pe- speak about people. Cause, and I mean, and a lot of people, they're not purposely trying to be like malicious or anything like that. It's just like what how, People don't know. Like, if you never, like, known a trans person, you might just not know this information. Well, and also <laughs> when this case happened, it was sort of... It certainly wasn't at the beginning of when trans people have, like, were coming out. But mm-hmm. it it was a time in history when... What, this happened in, like, the It 90s? was, like, the 90s. Yeah, yeah so it was stigmatized. We had just gone through the AIDS epidemic here in America... The LGBTQ plus community in general was very stigmatized and trans people, especially trans men, were viewed as people who were just confused, Mm -hmm. Um, which I hope most of us understand that it is certainly not a choice. So, Mm -hmm. absolutely, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm glad. And we'll get and we'll get into a bit of that as well, like um, just the way this case was handled and because it was we've come a long way, but we're still not all the way there yet. Um. But um, a lot of this I did already know, but I think it is helpful all around. The article is called Doubly Doubly Victimized Reporting on Transgender Victims of Crime. Uh, So transgender people, particularly transgender women of color, are disproportionately affected by hate violence. 
Um, and sadly, the tragedy of these incidents is often compounded by reporting that doesn't respect or even exploits and sensationalizes the victim's gender identity. The following guidelines can help ensure that transgender victims of violent crimes are always treated respectfully and fairly. When using the word transgender, it should always be used as an adjective and not a noun. So you should be referring to the person as a transgender female or male or man woman in that way. And the gender you use is the gender that they live at, lived as. The not, only- not like they are a transgendered. Right. Right. Just for clarification. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so the only important piece of information in identifying... In identifying a victim's gender is how they currently identify or identified at the time of their death. If how the person identified is not known, use the pronoun consistent with how the person lived publicly. This holds true even if you've only been given the victim's birth name and even if the only name you have for the victim does not match their self-identified gender. So you may say something like the victim who was identified by police as John Smith was found Friday morning in her Brooklyn neighborhood. So if like that's the only name you have kind of make it clear that that might not be the name that they lived as mm-hmm. government ids <clears throat> do not uh equal to like what name they go or, by yeah, yeah if you're unsure about the pronouns they use you should either just use their name or alternatively use a neutral pr- pronoun like they but of course figuring out is always best a transgender person's chosen name should be considered by the reporters to be their real name whether it's been legally changed or not the name should never be put in quotes In cases where the victim is non-binary, it's important to use the correct name and pronoun for them. For example, if a person who was assigned male at birth and given the name John Smith is a non-binary person whose name is Jordan Smith and uses they, them, you would say, on Friday, a funeral service will be held for Jordan Smith, organized by their close friends. Smith Smith described their gender identity as non-binary and used they, them pronouns. And you want to avoid using qualifiers like like preferred um, because this is their, like, identity. Like, you don't need to say they preferred using this. Like, that's just what they are. Mm-hmm. If that makes sense. Um, and in many instances, family members may know the victim was transgender, but continue to use the person's birth name and old pronouns. We see this a lot. Um, police reports will typically use the wrong name or gender for the victim, often because the victim carried an ID that still lists their birth name and gender marker, or because they gender the victim based on anatomy. And in, in these cases... Um, It's important to paraphrase rather than quote directly or quote elements of the statement that don't include incorrect information. So correct information may be found in the victim's social media profiles and talking to people within the transgender community that knew the victim. Don't use language that implies the victim's identity was not real or that it was a costume disguise or a false identity. Don't mention or even hint at any like genitalia or surgical procedures or any of that stuff. Nobody needs to know that. What's um, in your pants is your own business. Right. It's nobody's business. <laughs> it's nobody's business. Don't overemphasize or exploit the victim's transgender status. Treat the victim the way you would treat any other victim. The staggering levels of poverty transgender people face can put them in unsafe situations. If the victim was homeless, unemployed, engaging in sex work, or marginalized in any other way, please provide information in your story about why they may have been in the situation. So you could say something like, Rachel Smith was homeless at the time of her killing. Transgender advocates say that this is a problem faced by many transgender young people who are kicked out of their homes and often end up on the street. So kind of giving that context as to kind of why they're in this situation and bringing awareness to it. Because it's all about, um, 
uh, destigmatizing mm-hmm. people, right? Just recently, New York State is allowing um, citizens to have non-binary as their preferred gender slash sex on their driver's licenses. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that California has been doing it for, also has recently a lot of, but we still right. have a long way to go. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it's very differing state to state. Like we're seeing Very. The, <clears throat> the things we're seeing like in Florida right now and other states are just in Ohio. Oh, my God. It's it's actually ridiculous. Brandon Tino was born December 12th, 1972 in Lincoln, Nebraska to Joanne Brandon, who was only 16. His father died in a car accident eight months before he was born. He and his older sister, Tammy, lived with their maternal grandmother and told Joanne took back custody when he was three. Brandon's family described him as being a tomboy since early childhood. He loved sports like basketball and football. He began identifying as male during adolescence. Joanne rejected his male identity and continued referring to him as her daughter. It was eventually revealed that both Brandon and his sister were also at this time sexually abused by an uncle for years. Mm. He attended pious ex high school and rejected Christianity because of their views on abstinence and homosexuality. As Brandon got older, he went from shy and socially awkward to much more outgoing and known as kind of a class clown. He often violated the dress code by dressing to fit his true identity and began skipping school and failing classes. He was eventually expelled and began to hold some side jobs and participate in petty crime. He attempted to enlist enlist in the army after high school, but was rejected due to listing his sex as male. He had a few few romantic relationships with girls throughout this time, which his mother did not approve of. The lack of support from family and having to take his journey of gender and sexuality alone left him severely depressed, which did lead to a suicide attempt. In January 1992, Brandon underwent a psychiatric evaluation, which concluded that he was suffering from severe sexual identity crisis and personality disorder. This resulted in therapy sessions, which he had to attend with his mother or sister, and this is where the sexual abuse ended up resurfacing. Mm. However, he did abruptly stop attending therapy sessions a few weeks after he started. Following a number of convictions for check fraud that resulted in probation, Brandon moved to Falls City, Nebraska in November 1993. He hoped that his move would be a fresh start in a new place where no one knew about his background and gender identity. He ended up staying with a young single mother named Lisa Lambert. It was said that the two may have had a romantic relationship at some point, but I didn't see that confirmed either. Brandon did eventually begin dating Lisa's friend, 18-year-old Lana Tisdall. It was at this point that he also began hanging out with a little bit of a rough crowd, including ex-convicts John Lauder and Tom Nissen. During this time, he never disclosed the fact that he was transgender to his friends or girlfriend, but following an arrest for check fraud in December 1993, he would be involuntarily outed. On December 19th, 1993, Lana went to bail Brandon out of jail, and this is where she saw that Brandon was in the female side of the jail. When she questioned him about this, Brandon explained to her that he was intersex and pursuing a sex change operation, though there was no, um, like, nothing to support that that was actually true. It just seemed like kind of like a story, like, like the story that he chose to tell. Mm -hmm. Um, 
They did continue to date after this, although uh, Lana would later deny that they did. Um, Brandon's arrest was then posted in the local newspaper using his birth name and and birth pronouns. So beyond his control, everyone now knew that he was a transgender man. That's like the worst thing Mm -hmm. about a lot of these situations that we are still seeing today is people getting outed by people who are one, either like insensitive or Mm -hmm. two, who don't fully understand the intricacies of what it is to be trans. Um, and, and the effects it can have on the person's life. Yeah. I mean, we're going to see. Right. It, it literally can have like life or death damaging effects, Mm -hmm. um, towards some people and it's just it's really horrific that um i'm glad that we are in a much more more evolved part of our society Mm -hmm. but we are still seeing thing we are still seeing the exact same thing happen to other people still yeah and i like we said earlier this was in the early 90s and even now we still have a lot of work to do as far as trans rights and awareness go but back then it really it was like a very taboo subject for a lot of people many were completely uneducated on what it meant to be transgender and like we said also and like brandon uh when he got his psychiatric evaluation they saw it as more of like a mental disorder like uh something that they that was wrong with them almost Mm -hmm. So, after being outed, when Brandon's acquaintances, John Lauder and Tim Nissen, found this out, they became very angry, which makes no sense, because it literally did not affect their lives at all, but we've seen this happen in many cases. So, on December 24th, Tim had a Christmas Eve party at his home, and Brandon attended the party. Tim and John forced Brandon to take his pants off and show his genitals to everyone at the party, including his girlfriend, Lana, who allegedly, like, said and did nothing, which is, like, How is that not considered, like, assault or harassment? I mean, it it is. Uh, No, like, the fact that nobody even, like, tried to stop it is just disgusting. John was apparently extra angry about everything because he was Lana's ex-boyfriend, so it's probably that whole, like, toxic masculinity thing, you know. Like, yeah. Later- oh, I know. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's terrible. All right. So later that night, the two men forced Brandon into a car and drove him to a remote area where they brutally raped him. They then drove back to Tim's house where they told Brandon they would kill him if he reported the incident to police. After arriving home, they forced Brandon into the shower to clean himself up. And while he was in there, he escaped out of a window and went to Lana's house. Lana insisted that they call an ambulance and Brandon was taken to Falls City Hospital emergency room where a rape kit was conducted, which was allegedly later lost. Surprise, surprise. A police report was also filed and Sheriff Charles Lowe stepped in to question Brandon. This question... This questioning quickly turned into interrogation and victim blaming. Sheriff Lowe was clearly targeting him because of his gender identity, asking questions like, do you run around once in a while with a sock in your pants to make you look like a boy? And why do you run around with girls instead of guys, being zero girl yourself? And things got worse when he asked things like, so then if he couldn't stick it in your vagina, he stuck it in your butt. Is that right? Did he play with your breasts or anything? Brandon was uncomfortable and understandably stopped answering these questions from a clearly targeted attack. 
it's it it's disgusting. That is just so like this. Yeah, this sheriff was a piece of shit. So soon after, the sheriff ended up bringing Tim and John in for questioning, but they were not arrested. Sheriff Lowe declined to have them arrested because, quote, what kind of person was she? The first few times we arrested her, she was putting herself off as a guy, end quote. Tim and John then set out for revenge on Brandon for telling the authorities. So we have a clearly mishandled case from the jump. And like I said, people, people just didn't understand what being transgender even was. It was very stigmatized. People. But also it's coming off as like, sure, I'll, I'll, okay, I'll be in the school of thought of like, they are just very ignorant and Mm -hmm. they did not understand how to deal with somebody like Brandon at that time. But it's also like, it's just hateful. Yeah. Absolutely. Like, they're asking him questions that are specifically to hurt him. Mm-hmm. And... And kind of, the, the it's the victim blaming. Like, saying that, like, right. because of the way Brandon presented themselves, that it kind of was, like, inevitable for it to happen, almost. That's kind of what it sounded like to me. It's just, it's that whole argument, too, where it's like, oh, because a woman is dressed a certain way, right. like, she, oh, she deserved to be sexually assaulted. Right. It's like, nobody and deserves that, that, and nobody deserves to be harassed or assaulted in the way that Brandon was. Yeah. On December 31st at 1 a.m., Tim and John broke into Lisa Lambert's house where Brandon was staying. When they broke in, they allegedly found Lisa in bed and demanded that she tell them where Brandon was, but she refused. They eventually found Brandon under the bed and also asked if anyone else was home. Lisa told them that her sister's boyfriend, Philip Devine, was there. His, her toddler was also in the house. Tim and John then shot and killed Lisa, Philip, and Brandon at point-blank range, leaving only her child alive and alone and crying. Tom also stabbed Brandon in the chest to ensure that he died. They then fled the scene, but were arrested that same day. Both men were found guilty of murder. In exchange for a reduced sentence, Tom admitted to being an accessory to the rape and murder, claiming John was the one who committed the murders. He testified against John and was sentenced to life in prison. John received the death penalty. In September 2007, Tom recanted his testimony and claimed that he was the only one to shoot Brandon and that John had not committed the murders. And then in 2015, Nebraska abolished the death penalty, with, which gave John a life sentence. They've tried to appeal their case several times, but have been denied each time. After the case, Brandon was often misgendered and mislabeled in the media. He was even misgendered on his own headstone. Um, it clearly reads uh, his birth name, um, says, like, daughter, sister, and friend. Oh, God. Yeah. And his mother, Joanne, publicly stated that she did not want the media referring to Brandon by his preferred pronouns. An article from the Village Voice about the case was widely read, which labeled Brandon as a lesbian who denied their identity due to prior sexual abuse and internalized homophobia. In a 2018 article called How I Broke and Botched the Brandon Tina Story, the author of the Village Voice article looks back and is expresses regret in the way she covered the case good yeah so like there 
like I said, we're not where we need to be, but there has been, there has been change in the right direction and things like that. And with people realizing like the mistakes they made in the past and like, like it should have never happened, but I'm glad that they at least wrote this article looking back and realizing what they did. Well, and it, and it also highlights even just the transphobia within the LGBTQ plus community, right? Like mm-hmm. it's, I mean that I'm glad that the author feels regret for right. sure. I mean, the village voice isn't even around anymore, which mm-hmm. is like such a bummer, but um, to have a LG, like the most predominant, like LGBTQ plus, uh, uh, printed like media mm-hmm. refer to Brandon as a confused the, lesbian, as a confused lesbian, wrong pronouns, wrong gender, mm-hmm. wrong sexual orientation. Cause right. Brandon was straight. Right. It's like, it's just, it's just adding fuel to this like really messed up fire. Right. Like it's Absolutely. just, Oh, it's just, it's so But gross. I mean, that just goes to show, like you said, if the most predominant printed like LGBT publication was getting it wrong just how bad it was otherwise yeah like if they didn't even understand who who was advocating for like transgender people nobody no nobody was i mean literally stonewall happened because of trans black and brown women of Mm -hmm. color and still they weren't given the respect that they deserved no so, in 1999, a biopic inspired by Brandon's story called Boys Don't Cry came out. It starred Hilary Swank as Brandon and Chloe Savigny. I don't really know how to say her last name. Chloe Savigny. Savigny? Savigny. Something like that. I don't know. As Lana. Hilary Swank went on to win Best Actress in a Leading Role in 2000. And in her speech, she thanked Brandon using the correct pronouns, which was a big deal for the trans community. Just to have somebody, like like we said, somebody like advocating, somebody using the right pronouns, things like that. Well, also someone of like Hillary, uh, Hillary Swank's like caliber too, right. you know, someone who's in Hollywood at this right. massive event, like obviously standing up for what is yeah. right. And um, just overall, like having this story out there and like being such a popular film mm-hmm. was like a huge thing. Um, looking back now, it's interesting because I think... If that film was to be made now, they should have obviously cast, like, a trans person yeah. person in the role. But it still, was, I think it was, like, a huge step at the time for just um, trans people to see someone on the big screen who their story was similar to theirs. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, not well, thing, you know Yeah, I mean? to, see, to see a story of someone in their community, even though mm-hmm. it wasn't represented by somebody in their community. However... It, it was an. Really it was an. Before, yeah. Well, I was gonna say also it was an ally of their community right. as well. So mm-hmm. it's like, I mean, yes, of course we want trans people to be represented in the media by other trans mm-hmm. people, but at this time, like you just said, that wasn't really happening. Mm-hmm. Slash, you know, again, I guess it's like best case scenario for the time. Right. You know, this was twenty five, twenty yeah. less, a little less than twenty five years ago. Um, that would not fly today, but. Mm-hmm. And like you course, said, step in the right direction. At yeah. The time. And of course, uh, Brandon's mother spoke out saying that like, Hillary Swank shouldn't have said what she did, but. What? By using his pro- corner- yes. correct pronouns? pronouns? Yeah. Oh, nice. But the film did help bring attention to the epidemic of violence against trans people. So like I said, it was a step in the right direction. Right. 
1999, Brandon's mother filed a lawsuit against Richardson County and Sheriff Lowe for their negligent treatment and not arresting Tim and John. Sheriff Lowe was not given many consequences aside from being admonished and having to apologize. Uh, He went on to serve as commissioner of Richardson County and later as a part of his community's council before retiring as a school bus driver. He has refused to this day to speak about his actions in the case and swore at one reporter who contacted him for a story on the murder's 20th anniversary. According to one sheriff who uh, knows Lowe, he doesn't spend much time thinking about the tragedies years later. He has rationalized his role to the point where he's blameless and they think it's like a defense mechanism. Hmm. Um, Joanne, Brandon's mom, was initially given a little over 17K. At the time, District Judge Orville Cody argued that Brandon was partially responsible because of his lifestyle. In 2001, the Nebraska Supreme Court reversed the reductions, reinstating the full $80,000 plus $6,223 for funeral costs. In October of the same year, she got an additional $12,000 and $5,000 for wrongful death, $7,000 for intentional infliction of emotional distress. In 2013, Brandon's mother, Joanne, told a reporter that although she previously protested it, she accepted Brandon being referred to as transgender in the media. In this case, we saw a lot of stigmatization. We saw a lot of stigmatization of transgender people. And I do feel like as a society, we've grown and learned since then. However, there's still a lot of work to be done. Um, I am happy to hear that finally, although it took some time, Brandon's mother is accepting it now. Like, oh, accepting her son's right. correct pronouns. Right. That's it's, good. I mean, it's it's pro- it's progress. Right. But it's it's just good to know that there's been some growth there. For sure. Um. So, like I said, although there's still a lot of work to be done, 2021 was the deadliest year for transgender and gender nonconforming people in the U.S. on record, and we've done an episode on this. Um, in the past, at least 50 trans and gender nonconforming people were killed in 2021 per report by LGBTQ advocacy organization, the Human Rights Campaign. And this is the highest number of deaths since the organization began recording fatal violence in 2013. Mm -hmm. The report makes it clear that the number of fatalities is likely much higher still. The deaths of trans and gender nonconforming people are often underreported and the victims themselves are often misgendered. At least 24 of those listed in the report were initially misgendered by the media or police. And we'll be including some resources resources in the show notes that provide ways you can support the trans community. It's important to keep learning and growing and sharing that knowledge with those who are uninformed so we can work towards becoming a more, becoming a more understanding and kind society. And that's, that's a big part of why I wanted to include that beginning section. Mm-hmm. Um, because I know there are, there are people who listen who, like I said, they, they might just not not know this information and if we can continue to share it with people who don't know that's how we will make progress i think that we will and we've talked about this off mic before but i think that we are definitely moving forward in a place in society where asking someone their pronouns when you first meet them is going to start becoming a much more common Mm -hmm. occurrence um i yeah i i really do think that that will just start becoming a thing and you know I think it's important to teach our kids to be kind and respectful people Mm -hmm. towards other people, regardless of their gender or their sexual orientation. Speaking of, I saw 
On Facebook, of course. Ugh, what a terrible place. Gross. Um, <laughs> Why'd you I go know, there? <laughs> I know. I have to keep it for work, which is like the main reason because I have to for the fairies Facebook page. Oh sure. Um, and somebody like said that their work, I think it was like a hospital or something, is having them wear little buttons that like say preferred pronouns. And of course, there was people in the comments like all up in arms, like I can't believe they're making people do that. It's so like awful, but like. How is that? It's it's not harmful. It's not hurting anyone. It's like just because you are very much like cis and like present clearly your pronouns and you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Like doesn't mean everybody does. And what's the harm in that? Like it just like some people get so offended by it. Yeah, and it's crazy. And and that's kind of another point that I wanted to make where you said it's like. It's going to be a lot more common to, like, ask people up front what their preferred pronouns are. And typically, like, for people, um, like, trans people and things like that, they won't get offended by that at all. Like, like I'd rather, like, somebody come up to me and ask my pronouns than get it incorrect. And I think it's, like, a sign of respect. But, like, the only people that are going to be, like, offended by it, I feel like, are, like, cis straight people who, like, right. think it's, like, like... I don't know. I don't know how to explain it, but it just makes me so mad. Like, it's not harming anyone. No. It's it's helping, but people are, like, so, still, till this day, like, just so angry about stuff like that. And again, like I said at the top of the episode, Brandon is certainly not the first trans person ever in the history of the world, you know? Mm-hmm. There have been trans people, there are recorded histories, and in other cultures, see, the problem... The problem with America. No, mm-hmm. the, the, the main issue with, like, the way that our culture works in America is that it's, unfortunately, even though this land was home to millions of indigenous people before white people got here, mm-hmm. it has been, quote-unquote, claimed by the white European uh, and lots of white European ideals. Which, but that also means that the ideas in indigenous cultures like two spirit Mm -hmm. or in other cultures of having more than two genders, um, was pushed out of our society very early. Well, pushed out of the, I don't know, the, the colonization of America's, the colonizer American society, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and there are, there's tons of history and there are there's lots of books written about people who are two spirit, who mm-hmm. are who do not conform to gender um, in other cultures and religions around the world. Um, but it's just because it's something that they ought to. I don't know. I don't know it's, where it's, I was going. It's with funny that, you but... mentioned that because I just saw a TikTok recently. It was of um, an indigenous person, and they were talking about how in their like community meeting how they like it's it's like western society kind of like has infiltrated their um their community and Mm -hmm. they're now like basically like taking away like rights of trans indigenous people like it's like that they were saying how like the ideals of like white european western society are like infiltrating their community and I forget what it was. It's, like, they, like, took something out about, like, Two-Spirit, like, in their, like, I don't don't know exactly what it is, but, like, it's, like, they're, like, going backwards. Yeah. Pretty much. And I just saw that the other day, and I was, like, that's awful. And another thing that I've seen recently, who I've, 
on Facebook again, I was arguing with people about was the whole, um, I forget what's her name, Leah, the swimmer. Oh, yeah. The trans swimmer. Yeah. Who um, people are all up, all of a sudden, biggest women swimming fans and just, they just want the sport to be fair is, is the whole like ruse they try to use when realistically it's just that they're using that as an excuse to uh, be cruel to trans people. Well, absolutely. Because the, the, the comments were disgusting. Like I was also like no shade towards her. Like I'm sure she's an amazing athlete, but if you look at her numbers for swimming since she started transitioning and from the time that she has transitioned, her her time has gone down with swimming. Mm-hmm. So she's actually not, quote unquote, better than the other girls in her mm-hmm. division. She is, again, I'm sure she's a great athlete, but it's mm-hmm. it's like, it's so stupid because it's like, what what is the point then? Right. Because it's not like she's coming in and, quote unquote, sweeping all these medals, which is what you're, quote unquote, worried about. Right. You're, you just want to be hateful towards this trans person mm-hmm. who's trying to live their life in the most genuine way. Right. People are saying, like, um, she has, like, a leg up on the competition. But then I saw um, another... <laughs> That's so stupid! Right. She I saw another thing. It was about, like, Michael Phelps, who literally, like, anatomically has, like, like webbed fingers, which, like, help. And, like, um, like the his arm span and things like that. Yeah. But because he... It's like a cis man. That's still okay, even yeah, though he does he does literally have an edge on people because of the way his body is shaped. He had like very like long streamlined torso. Like it's just like his body shape helped him become a great swimmer because it just moves through the water nicely. Well, it's also just like that's all great athletes. <clears throat> all great athletes. I mean, sorry, most great athletes for the majority, have some sort of physical step up on Mm -hmm. their competition. Look at Magic Johnson. I mean, at the time, he was, like, the biggest dude in the NBA Mm -hmm. that's, you know, one of the biggest people ever. And, of course, like, yeah, he's going to be one of the best basketball players. And nobody's like, oh, that person's too tall. They shouldn't be playing because they have, like, an advantage. Simone Biles is by far one of the like best female athletes of all time in in her sport gymnastics and she is four eight the smaller you are in gymnastics mm-hmm. the better mm-hmm. and like i'm not I saying she's so tiny i was gonna say i'm also not saying she's very petite it's <laughs> i'm also not saying that all these people haven't done like the actual work and right. everything. Yeah, yeah for sure but it's like it still you, lends a hand and having like the right body type for the sport yeah, you always have you there is there there is for the most for the most part there is going to be like um horse racing jockeys. Mm-hmm. You can't be a horse racing you jockey. Have to be tiny. Yeah, if you're if you're over 58 and like 115 pounds. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just it's just so stupid that they think that like this one young woman is really going to change the is really going to like <clears throat> have a leg up on the competition mm-hmm. and like, no, she's changing the sport for the better. Right. But she's not taking anything away from y'all. No. So like, please chill, chill out. Also, why are you, my big issue they is like, why are women swimming a day in their life? No. And then all of a sudden they're like, well, if you look at her hundred meter butterfly, it's like, right. you don't even, you don't even know what that up. is. Be quiet. <laughs> well, again, we'll be leaving some more resources. Yeah, absolutely. Um, in the show notes below for you to, if you would like to educate yourself some more, um, if you want to sign, you know, I'm sure we'll find some like petitions or mm-hmm. something, you know, you know, just look and in the show notes. We'll have it there. Like, uh, we can 
do like things on how to help the transgender community and things like that. Yes, absolutely. Resources for that. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's the tragic and totally preventable case of Brandon Tina. Oh my gosh. So sad. It's sad, but it also, obviously, it just, like, riles me up, too. Mm-hmm. I just get so angry. Like, why were these two men so mad? And they weren't... At the way this person... Charged. Right. They weren't charged. Well, now they are, but it, it took them killing Brandon to face any type of repercussions. Right. Like, and just, like, I just can't wrap my head around how the way somebody else lives their lives, which is not hurting anybody can make you that mad that you want to hurt them. Literally my, one of the things I say all the time to like anybody, I'm sure you've heard me say it, but it's just like, live your life, do whatever you want. Like, as long as you're not hurting anybody, as long as you're a good person and you're Mm -hmm. not hurting anybody, who cares? Like if you're not hurting anybody or yourself, like who cares? Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and it just comes down to being hateful and Mm -hmm. homophobic and transphobic and, yeah, that's it's pretty sad. I mean, that brings me back to the, like, when I was arguing with people on that, the Leah, the swimmers posts. I can't believe you and did that. I would, I would be, literally my head would explode. I had to. People were making me so mad. So, like, it's just like, people would be like, I-, I think people can live their life however they want. But then, like, as I was, like, this one person said that, and then as I was, like, kind of, like, going back and forth with them, it, like, quickly turned into, uh, chicks don't have dicks, hashtag Trump 2024. I was like, you're just literally proving my point that, and my point is that people are using this wanting a fair sport as an excuse to just be hateful to the trans community because you, you have this hate and you just like want a reason to like go against them. And it's very clear. And that just like proved my point. I was like, well, thank you for proving my point. Um, We're going to do an upcoming episode about the current horrific, like, witch hunt of trans people Mm -hmm. that is happening in America right now. And also we'll probably talk about, um, maybe we'll talk about some injustices like across the globe with LGBTQ plus community, like, um, with people like in like Russia and like things like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, we'll have that coming up. Well, should we do a palate cleanser? Yeah, I think so. Do you have anything? Um, so I've been watching, um, the ultimatum on Netflix. Oh my god! It's you and your reality shows. <laughs> I love them. I love them because they're, they're they're just so mindless, um, and so silly. Like so, this show is it's like people who have been with their partners and want to get married, but one of the partners doesn't want to. Um, so they put them on this show, and basically, so it was like I forget how many couples, but they had to pick another one to live with for three weeks and do like a fake marriage, like live together with each other and like pretend to be married, whatever. And then from there, they live with their original partner for three weeks and they have to decide, like, what they're going to do moving forward. Do they want to, like, part ways? Do they want to, like, actually get married? Like, stay together? I don't know. I haven't finished it yet, so I don't know what the couples are doing. But it's a little ridiculous, but it's entertaining. The one thing, the one, well, I have a couple criticisms. But, like, some of them are, like, 23. And I'm like, why are we giving an ultimatum at 23? Like, you're a baby. You don't need to be married right the second. Yeah, but I mean, like, people will do what they're yeah. going to do, you know? Like, I would have rather seen, though, like, people, like, who are, like, around, like, our age, like, in their, like, early 30s or something like that, who have been with the person for, like, 10 years and they just, like, won't commit. Sure. Like, I think that would have been, like, more entertaining. But, alas, it's still, it's still pretty fun to watch. 
it's a good uh decompressor oh and another one this isn't like as much of a decompressor but i did so i'm doing an ad on um tiktok for this new amazon prime series that i probably wouldn't have like thought to watch right away but like since i was doing the ad i got to watch it like a little early and the first two episodes are out now it's called outer range and okay. it's really good it's like it's it's very unique it's like kind of like a western because it's set on a ranch in like i don't know dakota or something like mm-hmm. somewhere midwestern um <laughs> it's it's set on a ranch so it has like western vibes mm-hmm. but then it also has like uh sci-fi like they the um royal abbot it's played by josh brolin who is uh, oh yeah he's been in a bunch of stuff but he's like in he plays thanos in yeah. a lot of the marvel movies yeah um He's he was like, also just in the new Dune movie as well. Yes, yes, yes. Um, which I haven't seen yet. Also Goonies, duh. <laughs> duh. Duh. Um, but he plays like the the owner of the ranch, Royal Abbott, and he discovers this like big black void in one of his pastures. And it's like this like kind of like hole and like we don't really know where it came from or what it is, but it's mm-hmm. like it has like this like sci-fi-ness to it. And they're also dealing with, like, the disappearance of their daughter-in-law. So it has, like, a little bit of, like, a like a true crime feel mm-hmm. as well. And the first two episodes, like, the ending, it's, like, one of those episodes or one of those shows where the episodes, like, the, they end it so well that you, like, want the next episode right away. Like, mm-hmm. it's, like, they ended at a really, like, cool, like, cliffhanger. And it's, like, it, I don't know, it's drawn me in. I'm, like, four episodes <laughs> in because I, I do get to watch them a bit early and... It's also one of those, it has, like, a lot of questions, and I feel like it's one of those that you're not going to know until, like, the last episode. They're going to, like, tell you a lot of the answers, but it might be a multiple season one, but I highly recommend it. It's really, really good. That sounds like something I would be into, for sure. Yeah. Like, it's not, like, something I would typically, like, I'm not always, like, a huge sci-fi person, but, and just, like, there's so many shows coming out that I probably, it would probably get, like, lost in the... Because it's, like, because it's, like, digestible sci-fi. Yeah. It's not, like, oh, there's a bunch of, like, little green men, like, running around, like, right. type of a thing. And it's, it's like, because it also has, like, things that, like, you enjoy, mm-hmm. like, the mystery, mm-hmm. like, a little bit of drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like and I'm, a... like, not typically into westerns, but it, like, it's a very cool mix. I... It's, like, not what you would think. I like that, like, western TV is starting to become, like starting to come back what into pop culture. Yeah, Yellowstone in eighteen eighty three. I haven't watched either of those, but no. my folks are really into mm-hmm. it and it's just so and like I do want to watch it, but we'll figure it out. I'll yeah. figure out how to maybe I need to get someone's Paramount Plus like login. Yeah. But um <laughs> but yeah. Well my palette cleanser for this week um is something that came out like a while ago, but I got access to Peacock uh for a couple of days while I was watching my friend's cat. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got to binge it all. Uh, I got to watch Joe versus Carol on Peacock, which, um, which stars Kate McMinnon and John Cameron Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Um, John Cameron Mitchell is like a big Broadway person. Um, and it like one of the movies that I know them like the most from is Hedwig and the Angry Inch. Mm-hmm. So love that. And of course we all know Kate from SNL, yeah. but it is so good it's very satirical it's very farcical it's very over the top it is based in truth but like obviously a lot of the conversations have been made up but the conversations part of me is like this seems very this would be very real also um kyle mclaughlin plays um 
Carol's current husband, Todd? I don't know. I can't remember, but he is, he is perfect. Yeah. Um, the casting in that show is fantastic. Mm -hmm. And I mean, they're about an hour long each, um, but 10 out of 10 would recommend if you haven't seen it. I might actually do like a little write up for the Patreon about it, but we'll see. Um, but yeah, that's my palette cleanser. Cool. Well, Ray, do you want to tell the good people where they can find us? I can do that. At The Midnight Record on Instagram and TikTok, at TMRPod on Twitter, and TheMidnightRecord at gmail.com. Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on all of your favorite podcast listening platforms. It really helps us out. You know that we love to hear from you, and we love interacting with you, so we just really appreciate all the support. And do not forget to check out our new Patreon, The Midnight Record. Um, The Patreon will be linked in the show notes below, and also please check out our brand new merch store as well well yeah do it yeah i think that's it so, think so. until next time i'll see you at midnight okay i'll see you at midnight all right. okay bye all right. <laughs>